Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If I could give you the entire New Testament in a nutshell, here's what I would say. Jesus lived an amazing life, died a brutal death, was resurrected, as he said, ascended into heaven, and 10 days later, the church was born. That's what I would say. But then Jesus said this. He said, but I need to give my church something so amazing, something that would make it so radically different than anything else there is, something that would turn heads, turn hearts, turn homes, that would make it so inviting that others would want to be a part of it. But he didn't stop there. But it has to be something so powerful that all peoples of all color, of all backgrounds, from all over the world, of all incomes, cultures, sexes, language, intellects, would be one and so committed to this one thing that nothing could tear it apart. And you know what that one thing is? It's love. It's love. Jesus said in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. But he doesn't stop there. He tells us what that newness is. He says this, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus said what makes the church the church is when they choose to love as I love. That's what creates the power. That's what creates the oneness. That's what creates the most inviting of all entities. It's love. He goes on to say, by this, all peoples will know that you are my disciples in how you love one another. That was the something. That's what put the church on the map. I love it. Something so radical, head turning, eye popping, heart warming, hair raising, hand reaching, draw dropping, go the distance, never give up, barrier breaking, always ready to help love. And then we go back to a song that some of us older crowd remember. Jackie DeShannon saying, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. But then she adds those words, it's the only thing there's just too little of. And there is. And then last week, the events in Minneapolis, Mr. George Floyd, and we realize, man, we've got the wrong thing happening. We need this thing that Jesus talked about. We need this church thing more than ever. The way that Jesus lived, the way that Jesus loved. I just want to pause there for a moment. And when you saw the events of what happened to Mr. George Floyd, what went through your heart? What went through your mind? Disbelief that that would happen human to human. And really disbelief. I just kept watching like, mm -mm, that's not happening. But it happened. I, I cried for two days. I, my wife was there and I felt this heaviness on my heart that I hadn't felt before. Um, and I remember I was telling my wife, I'm really struggling with this. And I was crying. And the first time I watched it, I was crying. I was crying uncontrollably. It just hit me so hard. As his last words and what he was saying, 
um, yeah, it, it hit me pretty hard. For me, it was uh, disbelief, like Jane said, and, and anger as well. Um, and most of you know, the videos or instances like this, you, you might see a, uh, a cop draw his gun, and so split a split-second decision where he pulls the trigger. In this one, it was eight minutes of disregard for human life with dozens of witnesses, people begging for the, them to stop, and other cops not just going along with it, but then holding off the crowd to almost look like, look, we're gonna murder somebody right in front of you and you're, we're gonna make you watch it. It's almost like it was completely blatant, like they were trying to send a message. And it was, uh, this one then just hit me a lot different than the rest of them did. Um, it, I mean, it couldn't be more black and white in this, in this scenario, more blatant about the, it was a straight up murder. Um, like I have no other, no way to, no other way to put it. And so this one was just different than the rest of them. This was the, this was the one that really, like I, like you said, like people say, the straw that broke the camel's back. Like this was the one that I think is gonna push it, you know, over the edge. And I think that's why everything blew up the way it did, because this one was so much different than the rest of them. I was angry. Um, because I thought, what if that was my son? Uh, it just it was so angry and so many emotions from so many years just started coming up coming up and at first I was like do I even have a right to be angry do I even have um, a right to be hurt by this and just processing through um, some of the emotions because I didn't even know the guy he just looked like me. And so um, I had to spend like a lot of time on my hands and knees and, and be in prayer and just really ask God, like, help me process through these emotions so I'm not holding on to any kind of bitterness or malice. So. Just uh, broken. Because I'm just thinking, how can, how can one human do that to another human? And the eight-minute thing, it's like, oh, it's just so unfathomable. That's something that happens overseas, or something happens on another part of our country, not Midwest. Yeah. Not, not here. Are you, how, how can this be? You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 10, this is God's word. God cares about all people, regardless of their ethnicity, nationality, and social status. That is in God's word. In 2 Chronicles, we read, God does not tolerate injustice, partiality, or corruption. And we need to understand the word partiality. See, that means even showing favoritism where you have a bias toward a certain group of people. But he's also talking about the sin of displaying a prejudice, a bias against a certain group of people. But I, I want to do something here before I really get into the heart of this message. Is I want us to consider some subtle ways that actually 
uh, partiality and prejudice arise. Because I believe with all my heart, love starts that we're talking about. If we're going to get back and be that church, and, and not just the church of who we are and belong to, but the church in our world today, and be like Jesus, it starts with ourselves. And so I, I want to look at some subtle ways and just ask some questions. And, and I want you to listen. All of you that are watching right now, I really want you to take serious inventory. Have you been quick to judge someone? because of a certain hairstyle or piercings or tattoos? Like you don't even know the person. You've not even exchanged a conversation. Know nothing about their story, but quickly you've already made a judgment based on what you see. How about someone who's overweight or unusually thin? How about someone who's quite attractive, deemed beautiful? I mean, there's ugly in judgment when men see uh, some cheerleaders and they start formulating some thoughts of what they would like to do. There's a, that's a form of judgment. It's a form of prejudice as, as assuming that's the kind of person she may be. Uh, how about if someone speaks differently than you? How about those with different religious backgrounds, persuasions, or their own beliefs? How do we respond? What are the thoughts that we have? How about people who have lots of money or people who don't? those who stand beside a road and need help. All of those are subtle ways of partiality that we're making judgments that are just wrong. And it is a big deal to God. If we're going to be the church and being God's people, not a place in which we attend, but we're truly saying our lives are going to be a residence and a temple of God, wherever we go, then we have to start with ourselves and then really, if you will, do an honest inventory. And then amidst that, we need to confess that. We need to ask God for forgiveness for that. So now we can have the Holy Spirit in us and go out and be what Jesus wants us to be in living and loving our world around us. Amen to that. Now, if you got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to the book of James. The book of James chapter 2. Because I love the church. And the church is to be known for its love. When we have the Holy Spirit in us, the church is not known for the miraculous, though that can happen. It's not known for the mystical, even though some of those things take place. It's not to be known because of its music or its preaching. The evidence of the Holy Spirit, the first fruit of the Holy Spirit, is love. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul literally says, make love your highest of goal. The previous chapter says there's faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. That's what God breathed into his church and who we're supposed to be in this world. And partiality should not be. We do not show favoritism, that somehow we sin in favoring someone above someone else. 
And oh my, we are not prejudiced. And we're going to talk about that. James chapter 2. I'm going to begin in the very first verse. My brothers and sisters, believers of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, you must not show favoritism. Brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus, you must not show favoritism. Suppose someone comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, or a poor person in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the one wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the one who is poor, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Skip down to verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Those are powerful words. Now, if you have a place to write, I want to talk about, I want to talk about racism. I'm going to give you three biblical truths about racism. And before I unpack these three truths, I, I want to quote Carl Lentz, who's the senior pastor of Hillsong in New York City. And, and in light of what had happened with Mr. George Floyd, he says, you know, people have been saying, well, everybody matters. He, he's heard that so much. I've heard that. And, and I want you to know that is true. Of course, as a pastor and in the church, everyone matters. But I love what he says. He says, you know, but if you had dislocated your shoulder and you went into the doctor, he wouldn't say, well, your whole body matters. He would attend to that part that's hurting. And church, I want you to listen to this and all of you that are watching. Right now, my black brothers and my black sisters are hurting. And I specifically, as I'm preaching this message, I'm speaking to that. They're hurting deeply. And we need to hurt with them. And we need to walk with them. And we need to be unified with them. And so if you've got a place to write, I want to give you three biblical truths about racism. And these are biblical truths. Here's the first one. Racism defies God. Racism defies God. Now, let me explain that. You know, when I was a kid, I learned a little song, and you may know it too. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And that's what the Bible says. In fact, in Acts 17, verse 26, here's what it says. From one man, that would be Adam, from one man, God made every nationality to live over the whole 
earth. Out of one, God created every nationality. This was a God thing. God loves diversity. Has anyone not figured that out yet? Did you know there are over 60,000 species of trees? God made every one of them. There are over 7,500 different types of apples. God made every one of them. There are over 10,000 different types of birds. God made every one of them. And currently, there are nearly 8 billion people in this world, and God made every one of them. And you know what David said in the book of Psalm? I love what he says, that not one of us was made apart from the creative. We are all a very thoughtful design of Almighty God. When we judge someone by their color of their skin, you know what we're essentially saying? God, you made a mistake. And God doesn't make mistakes. See, racism is not a color issue. It's a creator issue. When you judge another, do you know what you're doing? You forgot who made you. God made every one of us. And my Bible says we were all created in the image of God. Racism defies who God is. Let's talk about that. What goes through your mind when I'm sharing that? Yeah, I love the line that, you know, it's, it's not a color issue. It's a, it's a creator issue. I mean, that hits so deep. And it's, I think it's also a heart issue, too. Because, you know, if you have a problem with the creator, you have a problem in your heart. If I devalue something that a creator made, I've devalued the creator. And somehow in our mind, we've separated the two. We think that, oh, I can honor God, but I can devalue what he created, whatever that is. Especially, though, human beings, his best creation. And the two can't be separated. But we, we've done that. And we've said that's okay. And it's not okay. To a certain extent, we've conformed to this world that we've done that, that we're, we're okay with that, that we, we call ourselves believers. But then I don't love my neighbor. And I think we even have a misconception of what love the neighbor means. Do we even really know what that means? Because I can disagree with you and still love you. A lot of times people are afraid of or dislike what's different than them. Mm-hmm. They somehow think what they are is the best version of what you should be, or that they're somehow superior, or is a lot of it's pride and ego. And if you're different than them in any way, then there must be something, you know, less valuable about you. About you, and so I don't need to treat you the same as I treat myself or other people that look just like me. Defies is a strong word. It's not just displeases God, or he's a little upset with you wants to defy God, to completely go the other way, that, wow, that, don't want to do that. It's his creation, not going to defy that. Well, here's the second thing that the Bible says about racism. It not only defies the very nature and creation and who God is, but it's disobedience to his great commandment. It's an act of disobedience. 
Paul wrote in light of Jesus' teaching, he writes in Galatians 5, the entire law is summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But now watch this. Paul goes on to write, but if instead of showing love, you attack and tear each other apart, watch out, he says. You will destroy yourself. Those are powerful words. The great commandment is what? To love God and love your neighbor as yourself. But remember when Jesus was asked by a lawyer, he goes, who's my neighbor? And Jesus shares a story called the Good Samaritan. And, and he talks about this man who was beaten and left for dead. And three individuals come by. And we learn in that moment what a neighbor really does. But here's something that I think we fail to look at. Not only did Jesus teach us in that parable who your neighbor is, Jesus lived it out in his life. He lived out who your neighbor was supposed to be. A woman caught in adultery, a leper, little children, tax collectors, Gentiles, prostitutes, the neglected, the oppressed. Jesus showed us. My friends, to not love others goes directly against everything that Jesus taught. Love. The separating mark of what the church was supposed to be. And that love includes everyone. That was the great commandment, was it not? Love your neighbor. Everyone you come in contact with. You know what 1 John says? If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right out hating his brother and sister, he is a liar. If he won't love the people he can see, and notice there's no clarification of who you see. It's everyone you see. How can he love God who he cannot see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You know, I heard it said, hate is like acid. It can damage the vessel in which it is stored as well as destroy the object on which it is poured. Wow. Racism is disobedience to God's great commandment to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. What goes through your mind as I'm sharing that? Well, I just think about the interconnection of all of us. We're all interconnected because we're all God's creation. And when one goes down, we all go down. I don't care who it is. We all go down a little bit. And that's sobering. I think of the, the parable of the sheep in Luke 15, talking about God loves everyone. You know, Jesus was willing to leave the 99 for the one. And it goes back to what you were talking about, but the 99 say, but what about us? You guys are okay. The one is lost, the one is hurting, the one is in pain, and I am going to seek that one. Yeah. And as believers, if we all had that heart of, we're believers, our, our name is written in the book of life. We need to go out there for the lost. We're friends and this and that, but we're saved. There's people that are dying that are not saved. That's right. And if we all had that heart as believers that I'm going to go for the one, 
because I know the 99 is okay. I love you guys and I love the 99, but that one is hurting and I need to go get that one. I think it's almost arrogant too for someone to think that you're better than somebody else. I think a lot of times people feel like it's an inconvenience if they have to do something for someone else, especially if it's someone they don't know. But just because you say, well, it doesn't apply to me, or, well, I'm not racist, so that's not an excuse to be silent and do nothing. When you think about the Samaritan woman that was, or the Samaritan, Good Samaritan that passed by, there was one before him that didn't want to be inconvenienced. How many times in the Bible do we see the disciples and the apostles, they were put in prison, they were, you know, went through all these different trials and all these different uh, tribute or tribulations, and it was because they were living out the life of a Christian. It's not, as Christians, we're not called to be still or be silent or be comfortable. We're called to go into the muck and to go do something about what is right for Christ. And when you think about Stephen, he was in a, in a riot and he got stoned to death for doing what was right. And as Christians, we can't use the excuse that, well, that's not me or, well, I'm not like that, so it, do, it doesn't count. That's not an excuse to be silent. Ignorance is not an excuse to be silent. I really think about the story of the Great Samaritan. It's, it's crazy that like, people are willing to walk by injustices that are happening. The thing that stands out about the Great Samaritan is he picked him up and he brought him somewhere and he said, I'm gonna I'm I'm flip the bill. I'm gonna take, take care of everything. And to me, it's like, there's so many people that are posting on social media, and to me, that's like, a, I'm gonna pray for you. And I think this message really ties into um, last week's message because we have people that are willing to listen, we have people that are willing to learn, but how many people are willing to actually go out of their way and, and live it out? Because live it out is a call to action. Bobby knows I love him. But if I said, I love Bobby, but I hate your wife, what I've said is I hate you. Because the Bible says you and your wife now are become one. I can't love one and hate the other, I can't. But yet when I say I hate someone over here, I've said, but I love God, but I hate him, I can't. Because they're one, because God made them. And again, we, we've separated that. There's no way. Yeah, uh, a lot of people always like to say what they're not. Say, oh, I'm not racist. And it's like, that's cool, that's, that's fine and everything, but right now people would rather see what you are mm -hmm. and not just hear what you are, but actually go out and do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anybody can say anything. Mm -hmm. And right now people are just saying, oh, I'm not this. Well, show me what you are in, by action, with your actions as well. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it, it's people are taking the, kind of the easy way out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kind of like that, oh, I'll pray for you. It's okay, well, how do I know you're really praying for me, you know? And, Anybody, you know, any, a lot of people just say that, but they don't actually take any action to show you what they really are. Racism defies God and disobedient to his commandments. That's what's happening right now. And I'm flabbergasted at what I can do. What can I do? I mean, I love, I love God. I love people. Um, I see color. Um, I, I don't know what to do. I'd love to know what to do. What can I do as a church? I mean, tell me who to love. How do I change the culture around me, is it um, with my next door neighbor? I mean, I, I'm flabbergasted, quite frankly, you know, and extremely sad that we're even having this conversation. But I understand why we are because 
Um, we live in this wonderful world. <laughs> Not so much, but. Here's the third one. Racism not only defies God, it's not only disobedience to his great commandment, but racism is sin. It is sin. We just read out of the book of James, if you treat people according to their outward appearance, you are guilty of sin. And God's law condemns you as a lawbreaker. Racism is not a skin issue, it is a sin issue. And it's a sin issue that we will have to give an account to one day. I want you to hear what the Bible says. Why do you judge your brother? And why do you think that you're better than he is? We will all stand before God one day and he will judge us all. It is a sin issue. And so what is the answer? You know, what do we need to do? When we look at this ugly thing called racism, well, I think it comes from a 10-year-old boy named Johnny. I love this story. He was failing math, and his parents did everything they could do. In fact, they even hired some tutors. But finally, as a last option, they sent him to a Catholic school. The very first day of school, he came home and began to spend every night poring over his books. The parents were blown away. When his first report card came home, he got an A in math. They couldn't believe it. They went to young Johnny and said, what made such a difference? And I love what little Johnny said. You know, I know I'd never taken math seriously, but that first day I walked into math class and I saw that guy nailed to a plus sign. <laughs> I knew things had to change. <laughs> But there it is. Therein lies the answer. The guy who got nailed to a plus sign. A guy who no greater love than this would lay down his life. As I said last week, willing to listen. When's the last time you sat down with someone who's a different ethnicity than you? and said, I just want to listen, and I want to learn. And then take what you've learned and don't play the silent game, but to learn to go, if you will, as Jesus, who stood up for the oppressed, who stood beside, didn't separate themselves, but linked arm in arm and hand in hand, When's the last time you had someone with ethnicity over to your house? See, it's all of those moments of stepping in, of standing up, of not being silent. It's an amazing thing that can happen. Listen to what Justin Martyr, a Greek-speaking Christian apologist, here's what he said. We who used to value the acquisition of wealth and possessions more than anything else now bring what we have into common funds and we share it with anyone who needs it. We used to hate and destroy one another and we refused to associate with people of another race or country. But now, because of Jesus, 
We live together with such people and we pray for our enemies. He goes on to write, It's no wonder that Christianity spread rapidly throughout the ancient world. Even though there were few organized missionaries and few evangelistic programs, the love that they practiced drew the attention to the world just as Jesus said it would. February 1941, Auschwitz. Poland. Maximilian Kolbe was a Franciscan monk. He was put in the infamous death camp for helping Jews escape the Nazi terrorism. After some time, an escape took place, but it failed. It was then that the Nazis, to give example for anyone even trying to escape, they randomly selected 10 people and they put them into a room where they would die of starvation as well as exposure. Names were called a Polish Jew named Frandik Shek. Gesaf Nasek was called forth. He quickly cried, wait, I have a wife and a child. It was then that Maximilian Kolbe stepped forward and said, I don't, I'll take his place. Taken with the nine others, he died August 14th of starvation and exposure. But Frandeshek, he lived. At the age of 82 on NBC, he told the story with tears streaming down his cheeks. A mobile cameraman followed him around his little white house to a marble monument that he had carefully built, tended with flowers. The inscription upon it read, in memory of Maximilian Kolbe, who died in my place. Every day, Frandeshek never forgot, I live because someone else died for me. And every year on August 14th, he travels to Auschwitz until he died in memory of the sacrifice. That's how we should live in love as well. Galatians 3 says, we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free man, and I'm going to add black or white. We are all the same. We are Christians. We are one in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And church, please hear this. Only the injustice of what we did to Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago is powerful enough to solve all the injustice in this world today. And I want to say to my black brothers, and all my black sisters and brothers, if you're watching right now, if you've been mistreated unjustly and you have, I want you to know there's a God who is also treated unjustly. And he understands. And he will not fail. He will not. Let there be peace on earth. Isn't that the song? that we know, but here's the key. The song says, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me.
Let there be peace, but it has to begin with ourselves. Peace. Let there be peace. The peace that was meant to be. With God as our Father, brothers all are we. Let me walk with my brother in perfect harmony. You know, Colossians 3 says this, in this new life, this new command, if we say we are a follower of Jesus, the Bible says one's nationality, one's race, one's education, or social position is unimportant. What matters is does a person know Christ or not? We're family. And so what's the answer? It's Jesus. And it starts with ourselves of asking the honest question, saying, God, as David prayed in Psalm 51, Lord, you search my heart. And whatever needs to be exposed, expose it. And then the rightful response is then repent of it. But then we need to ask God, open my eyes that I see as you see. That I might see skin that's black, but I see your creation, your beautiful creation. And then God, show me, teach me. I want to listen. I want to learn. And then I want to live that out. I want to love. And I want people to know that we are family and that they are creation of God as I am a creation of God. And we begin to walk in likeness. And when you see racism, you speak into it. That it's defying the very God who created. It is disobedience to the very commandment that God gave us. And it is a sin. It is a sin. And I believe steps like that can begin to change the world. Church, we need to repent. And then we need to ask God, give me that courage, the spiritual courage to live out this love in this world the way you lived it out in me and to me. Amen. What would you do if he walked into the room? What would you do if he walked into the room? What would you say if he walked into the room? How would you praise if he walked into the room? Oh, how would you shout if he walked into the room? Oh, how would you shout? If you walked into the room, how would you praise? If you walked into the room, what would you say? If you walked into the room, yes, what would you do? If you walked into this room, Say if he walked into the room.
into the Father, these are sad times, tragic times, times that expose that we desperately need Jesus. We need you. God, we repent of our ugliness. We repent and God, if someone feels that in that moment I'm indicting them, that is not my intent. It's only my intent to say it starts with self. That God, we have to be honest before you and ask you to expose, as David said, to search us. No one knows us better than you. And then God, as you reveal things to us that we will repent of those things. But God, that's not enough because you still call us to get out and live in this world, this light, this love, that who you are in our world, to link arms with our brothers and sisters, specifically right now, our black brothers and sisters, that they would know we love you and we stand beside them. Lord, in humility, but in honor and in oneness in the way that you do with us and in us. God, beautiful things can begin to happen. Change will begin to happen. God, we're not going to give up 
in light of the fact that even though as Christians we're aliens in a strange land, you said we could pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done could happen here on earth as it will be one day in heaven. And so we will fight this good fight. We will fight it in the authority of you and in the love of you and believing in great things that will come forth. God, give us a miracle. Help us as a nation and around the world what it means to be diversity in the power and the beauty of unity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You're the one that we adore. You're welcome. You're welcoming. You're welcoming. Come into my heart. Yeah, yeah. Come into my heart. Do surgery. Perform surgery on my heart, Jesus. What would you do if it stepped foot in the room? Hey, oh, oh, yeah. We worship you, we love you. What would you do? Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.